0: Romans chapter 8, actually, we're going to be looking at today, Romans chapter 8, and if you need a Bible, please raise your hand, we'd love to give one to you, we've got uh, plenty in the back there, and um, these are Bibles that we can uh, just have you take home with you and keep, if you need a Bible, we want to furnish you with one, that's one of the best ways we think we can support you in your, in your walk with, with God and your exploration of who God is, so please um, do that. Uh, and I'm going to pray in just a minute, but I did want to highlight uh, next Sunday is our uh, Christmas celebration, and in that we have the kids participate in the telling of the Christmas story. It's, it's always fun. It's beautiful. So I encourage you to be here. We're also going to have, for, for the first time in a long time, we, very few of you will remember this, we had a choir once way back um, for one showing, and it was great, um, but we were unable to sustain that. Well, the choir is going to be back. We're going to have a little choir next week, so... Um, That's going to be fun, and then along with the kids. So I want to encourage you to invite your friends to come celebrate Christmas with us. It's sometimes uh, a time in the year when people are more open to um, coming to church and and, and seeing what it's all about, and so I want to encourage you to do that, Uh, and then also just come ready to celebrate um, this next Sunday. We're also going to be having, as Dave said, uh, the Christmas Eve service at 10 o'clock. It's not going to go to midnight, okay? like Dave said. Uh, <laughs> just go to maybe 11 or so. So you'll be home in time uh, to get a good sleep. Um, if you're going to be around, I know some of you go, go other places at Christmas time. If you're going to be around and you'd be willing to be part of our reading team on Christmas Eve, please let me know or put that on your welcome card. I want to enlist you in that. We've got some more people needed to do readings on Christmas Eve. What we do is we just, so it's the sort of traditional lessons and carols where we sing a carol and read a little passage that tells a Christmas story and sing another carol. It's really a beautiful, beautiful service that the church has been doing for years and years and years, not just this church, but all across the world. And so we're going to celebrate that together and enjoy that. Good. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for uh, this season and the time that it is. We know there's a lot of chaos and, and busyness associated with it, but we are thankful that it also can serve to point us towards Jesus Christ in the incarnation. We think so much about the atonement and the resurrection. Sometimes we, we give uh, uh, short time to the incarnation itself. And so we ask, Lord, that during this season you would help us to focus in on the miracle, the incredible miracle it is for the God of the universe to take on flesh and walk among us and all that that means. Lord, we are unpacking that in this series and, and we thank you for that. Continue to To guide us in that. And Lord, I want to lift up today as well those of us, probably everybody in this room to some extent, who approach the Christmas season with with joy and excitement, but also with a a bit of fear and trepidation. For whatever reason, it's during this season that that some of the losses in our lives, the the broken things, the the loneliness, uh, the pain, perhaps uh, the missing of people, Um, all of that sort of comes uh, out in relief during this season at some time. And so I want to lift us up, Lord, uh, for your care and your watchful concern in the midst of that. For wherever there's brokenness and loss and loneliness and separation, and wherever that becomes more acute during this season, I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be especially present in and among us to minister the consolation and the comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit, to uh, infuse us with the truths that are greater than the, 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 the temporal things of this world, the eternal truths that we can bank on and lean into in the midst of our brokenness. God, would you meet us? Those of us sitting in this room, some of us have been looking with fear and trepidation towards this coming week and a half or two weeks And uh, I pray you meet us richly with your, your glory and your goodness and remind us that at the end of the day, you are with us and you promise to be with us forever and you are perfectly faithful and let that truth sink deep into our hearts, Lord, during this season, we pray in the wonderful, glorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, well, you've opened up to Romans 31, and we'll get there in a minute. But what we're doing in this series called Connect is we're exploring what it means to connect with others. We're looking at the person of Jesus Christ and the way in which Jesus Christ connected to us. How did that look? What did he do? And then uh, bouncing off of Jesus, how can we connect to others? Now, part of it is uh, to look at, at, at the wonder of Christmas and the incarnation as I was praying about. Um, and especially in the first week, uh, December 1st, we talked about that. You can listen to that sermon, uh, the Incarnation itself. And then we're sort of bouncing off that to talk about how we connect with others. And we know that this is an issue in our culture today. And we've got books that I've, I've mentioned coming out, like Alone Together, talking about how uh, Facebook and some of the other social media gives us this illusion of connecting with others, but on oftentimes not a rich connection with others because it's very controlled, uh, and so we, we don't have that sort of connection that we long for, we th- but we think we do, which almost makes it worse, because then we don't go looking for the real thing. Um, and not to say these things are wrong, it's just that they, they don't, they're not big enough to fill the hole that we need to connect with others. And we're, we also, I mentioned the book Bowling Alone, about how uh, people uh, over the last decades have, have stopped bowling in groups, but they continue to bowl in the same numbers they just go by themselves and it's an indicator of what's going on in our world it's just one of many about the sense of isolation that people are experiencing and so we've lost in some respect the ability to connect with others and what we desperately need is to learn from the master of connection Jesus Christ i mean that's why Jesus came is to connect us to god it's it's for us to learn from the master Jesus Christ how it is that we can connect with others. And this, this applies across the board. It applies within this community as we, we continue to grow. And so we, we need to gather in our home groups to be able to connect with one another and have relationship. And we can't do that on Sunday morning. There's not enough time. Uh, the focus isn't entirely on that, although it's somewhat on that. But we need more focus on it. So we do that as we gather together during the week to connect with one another. And some of the principles that we're learning and looking at the, G, the, the life of Jesus is the principles that apply to how we connect with one another in the home group. But also it goes deeper than that or beyond that, uh, our year theme is commissioned and part of what we're, ex- we're exploring is what does it mean for us to be sent just in the way that Jesus Christ was sent to us. We're sent to be the bearers of a good message to the world and how do we connect with people to be able to carry that message out? That's what we're focusing on uh, in this year. And so the lessons of Jesus are for us in that light as well. Now, in part one, we looked at uh, Jesus being with us. Uh, in part two, which was last week, we looked at how Jesus came alongside us. Jesus came alongside us. So, so first of all, the sort of global picture of him being with us. And then last week, he we looked at kind of the nitty-gritty of how Jesus was very, very, in a very earthy way, walked alongside all kinds of people, rubbed shoulders with them, and brought blessing. He connected with them in that way. Uh, This week, we're going to look at how Jesus is for us. So, with us, alongside us, and for us. I've been reading this book um, by Bill Walsh, um, the coach of the 49ers, you know, one of the greatest coaches uh, of all time. And uh, in this book, Bill Walsh, who ultimately, he says this of himself, he says that more than anything else, he was a teacher. He would come alongside people to teach him. And he was very successful at this. He would, he would take people who didn't seem like they, they had a lot of skill or ability and, and be part of the process of transforming them into wonderful, incredible athletes and successful athletes. Uh, and, and, and the one that you, if you're a football uh, fan, the one you know of most is Joe Montana, right? I mean, Joe Montana was, was a small guy. He didn't have a strong arm. Um, a lot of people looked him over like he wasn't going to be a great quarterback. And Bill Walsh identified him and his giftedness and, and sort of nurtured that and developed that, and he became arguably the greatest quarterback that ever was. And so uh, and some of you may push back on that, but we can yeah. talk about that later. Um, <laughs> you get my point really good, at least, right? Uh, and and, so, and so, what if, so Bill Walsh, in this book, he says that the key thing, the four most important words and it, that, that he would speak to his players as he was wanting to teach them was simply, I believe in you. I believe in you, I'm for you in a sense. I'm in your corner, I'm supporting you, I believe that that good things can happen through you. Now, it sounds a little bit cliche when you say it that that way, right? We always kind of throw around these words, I believe in you, in like a Disney movie or something, and it feels cliche. But at, at the end of the day, there is something in us that is there's a deep need, a desperate need in all of us to know that somebody is in our court, that somebody is for us, okay? And, and that's what Jesus is. Jesus is, is God stepping into this world to say, I am for you. And let me explain how that, how that plays itself out. In what ways, then, is God for us? In what ways is God for us? I was surprised this week as I went through, uh, began my study, and just typed in the phrase, for us, uh, I was surprised at how many verses came up that talk about the ways in which God is for us. Us. Now, let me just list some of these. And, and I'm just going to kind of read through them. Just let them wash over you as you think about this. We go way back to the very beginning of the story of God with humankind. Uh, in, 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 when God is, is calling the people of Israel and, and bringing them out of Egypt in the Exodus. In Joshua 4, 23, it says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. A little bit later, and, and we could pick many, many examples in the life and the history of Israel in the Old Testament, but I'm going to skip through to the end as they're reconstructing the temple after they're brought back from the exile in Nehemiah 4.20. In the place where you, you hear the sound, they're building the temple and they're, they're threatened by outside forces and 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 so it says, uh, in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us, says Nehemiah. Our God will fight for us. Look through the Old Testament, you see these statements about sort of the general welfare of of people. O Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done for us all our works. It applies to daily living, John uh, 15, seven. If you abide in me, Jesus says, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. You hear that? Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, you need to abide in him and in his words so that your asking is shaped by that. But then when you ask, he says, ask, and it will be done for you. Look forward to the future. John 14, two, Verses two through three. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told? I, I would have told you that. Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place? There it is again for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, uh, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you uh, to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Later on in the New Testament, in, in 1 John four sixteen, so we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And we could go on and on. The list was, was longer than I can quote here this morning, but after describing uh, in Romans 8, now you open up to Romans 8, um, look in Romans 8, after describing all of, of God's Uh, Entire redemptive plan there in the book of of Romans, and in particular in Romans 8, if you you look in verse 18, um, Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So there's this great redemptive plan that God has been unfolding all throughout history. and, And Paul is describing it and his words are stretched to try and articulate what is going on with God and what he's doing. And at the very end of it in verse 31, what then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? Am I convincing you? God is for us in Jesus Christ. So that in Psalm 126.3, we have this statement. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Now, many of the verses sort of fit in that category of God's general desire to be in our corner, to be for us, to be supporting us. And then there's a whole host of verses that are more specific in describing how God does that in the person of Jesus Christ, in particular in the work of salvation brought about by Jesus Christ. And what really struck me as I was looking through all the for us kinds of verses is how so many of our favorite verses about the work of salvation, the atonement accomplished by Jesus Christ. So many of our very favorite verses on that topic contain this phrase for us. So Luke 1, 69, uh, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Ephesians 5.2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 1 John 3.16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You now we'll get to that second part. I want you to focus on the first one though, is just the incredible extent to which God is for us in the scripture. Over and over and over and over again do we have this message. And so what you need to know and what I need to know at this Christmas season is that for unto us a child has been born, has been born. You see that? For unto us a child Has been born. And in him are all the blessings that that go way back to the very beginning of God's redemptive plan for us. All these blessings are for us. And more than just the blessings themselves, these blessings that God gives us, uh, including the atonement uh, and all that's entailed with that, they scream out to us this message I'm for you. I am in your corner. You needed somebody to be in your corner and for you, and I am the one. God says. I was making breakfast for one of my kids this week. Um, It doesn't happen very often, so I hope they really enjoy it. Um, And I was reflecting as I was doing this on the difference between my wife's experience uh, growing up and then my experience growing up with respect to having breakfast. Um, We talk about this often, that when my wife was younger, she would be getting ready for school and her mom would call up the stairs and say, kids, what do you want for breakfast? And she would sort of call back, well, you know, bacon and eggs, and okay, coming right up Um, next day. You know, kids, what do you want for breakfast? Um, uh, Oh, how about pancakes today? Okay, yeah, I got it for you, making pancakes, you know. Um, Kids, what do you want for breakfast next day? Um, You know, poached eggs with hollandaise sauce, and you know, um, um, yeah, okay, we got it, we got it. Just keep getting ready. Come down, and, and your breakfast will be here. Meanwhile... We're about the same age, so this is going out the same time. I'm down in San Diego eating Cheerios every single morning. I think that I must have had thousands and thousands of bowls of Cheerios. Uh, getting up on my own, you know, poor me, uh, with my bowl and my, my Cheerios, pouring it in there day after day after day. And so we have very different experiences um, when it comes. Um, so I'm pretty stingy with making breakfast for the kids. Because, you know, for me, it's like, no, it'll toughen you up. Just wake up and make your own breakfast and suffer through it, um, and, and, and you'll be okay. But once in a while, and that happened this morning, this week, I get the urge to, to say to the kids, right? Because it's not about the breakfast at the end of the day. This is what I realized this, this week as I was making the breakfast. It's not about, the, why did I feel this urge? Because I had the urge to say to my, to my kid that morning, look, I'm in your corner. I'm for you. I'm supporting you. Uh, And I I don't know how to say that in a way that's meaningful. So by making breakfast, I can give that message, right? It's not not so much about the thing that you do. It's the message behind it. And what God is saying to us, The greatest, what he's saying to us uh, through all the blessings that I read about in these scriptures is, is, yes, they're good. But at the end of it, what he's saying behind it all is, look, I'm for you. The God of the universe is for you. That's his posture towards you. He stepped into the world to say, I'm for you, with you, alongside you. And he went to the cross and there he suffered an atoning death for us to make this huge statement. And even before that, he was He came into the world as this infant child, helpless, in the manger. For us, for unto us, a child is born. The God of the universe is for us. And so what do we have to fear? What do we have to fear, ultimately? If you're broken, the one who made you is for you. The one who knows how to heal your brokenness is for you. If your sins have piled so high that you feel like you're worth nothing but to be thrown on the scrap heap, the God of the universe has redeemed you, pulled you off the scrap heap, and made you a son of the king or a daughter of the king. If you... Are afraid or have lost everything. The Bible says that, that the, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, it was to say that he owns everything, to say that his resources are limitless. That one is for you in your corner, backing you up. If you feel that you're out of your depth completely, life has gotten beyond your capacity to manage and to control and to understand. The one who, very, who, who made the deeps to begin with, who developed the whole concept of depth and being out of your depth, the one who made the deeps is in your corner. And we could go on and on and on, right? Whatever it is that we're facing, the one who's greater than is for us in Jesus Christ. Now, Some of you this morning may be sort of in that exploratory phase with Christianity and you're asking questions about what it means to be a Christian. You've not made a personal commitment to becoming a Christian. You're not, you would, somebody asked you, you wouldn't necessarily say, I am a Christian. You say, I'm exploring Christianity. And so I want to interject briefly and quickly here that this this is the key um, first step for you to consider and to ask and to pray about. And that is, God is is saying, He's for you. Are you going to accept by faith the work that God has done in the person of Jesus Christ? So so God is standing there ready. His posture is to be for you. But without the, the sacrificial atonement of Jesus Christ, then all those blessings are not applied to you. They're applied to you when you come to God and say to Him, in faith, yes, I want the person of Jesus Christ and, and the blessing and the atoning sacrifice to be applied to my life. And that's a, that's a faith move on your part. It's, a, it's something that you declare to God, yes, this is what I, I believe in you, I believe in what Jesus has done. And so I want to encourage you, if you're in that exploratory mode, so glad that you're here, I want you to keep being a part of this community. Walk with us on this journey of understanding how it is that God is for us but also know that that's, that's sort of the watershed moment for you is to, is to make that decision. is Am I going to receive Jesus Christ in faith? And he, he, you know, God hears you. You, can, you could be saying right now, as, we're, as, as I'm talking, you can be saying to God, you know, God, I'm ready. Um, I, I want to place my trust in Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ, His sacrificial atonement. You could go home tonight. We've had people do that. Uh, go home on Sunday after worship and kneel by the bed, and pray. Um, you could meet with somebody this week over coffee, and say, I think I'm ready to pray to receive Jesus Christ, and you could pray with that person. You can come in and visit us in the office, but but God hears you when you say that, and, and you can say it when you're ready. You can say it right now, because God is for us. So the first message that we we grapple with, we understand, is that Christ is, is for us, and, 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 and those of us who've been Christians for a long time, we also desperately need to hear this, too, because um, at the end of the day, all of our fears and our irrational idol, idolatry um, are, are running away. All of that is rooted in the fact that we haven't fully grasped the extent to which God is for us. And we're still looking elsewhere for support and strength and encouragement. But at the, So at the end of the day, uh, even for those who have been walking... We still need this, we need this message that Christ is for us. And at this Christmas time, when we think about that baby and all that Jesus will become after that earthy infant birth, we think of all that Jesus will become, the message that we need to absorb is that God is for us. He's in our corner. Now, that leads into the second part, which is that we now... Because of the work of Christ in us, and because the empowerment that that brings, we now can be for others in a way that we couldn't beforehand. Knowing somebody is in your corner, knowing somebody is for you, has an empowering effect on you. It it emboldens you and gives you courage and resources to step out and to do that which you otherwise could not do for the people around you. And part of walking with Jesus Christ is trusting that those resources are there and stepping out to be a blessing to the people around you, to serve and to sacrifice and to honor them, knowing that God has your back. God emboldens us and strengthens us so that we can go out and be a blessing to others. I talked about this with respect to my father a lot that one of the greatest things that he gave me was that sense of affirmation and confirmation, where, you know, I just sort of knew, and it wasn't so much through making me breakfast, um, he let me suffer with the Cheerios, but in other ways, um, he would send this message to me essentially that, look, you know whatever whatever's going on i am for you he he didn't spend a lot of time criticizing and judging what i was doing he just sort of sort of sent this global message that that look i'm for you and when i would come home with the the smallest drawing that was horrible and, and, and didn't look like it was supposed to be he would he would be amazed at it and he would be so supportive and encouraging and over and over again and i didn't really realize this when i was a kid but when i got old, older and i started doing a lot of counseling with people and working with people who didn't have the support that they needed when they were younger. And I began to see what an incredible gift it was that my earthly father gave to me in providing that sort of support and encouragement for me. Now, the result of that, right, is that you can step out and give to others. And some of us may have experienced that when we were younger, some of us may have not. Either way, we all have to make the conversion at some point to our Heavenly Father as being the one who provides that kind of empowerment and support, who's who's ultimately the greatest one who's for us. Because any earthly agent who's for us is going to fail us. But our Heavenly Father will not fail us. And we have to make that switch at some point. And we can be empowered for others. Now, interestingly, in this book I'm reading by Bill Walsh, um, The Score Takes Care of Itself he talks about being for others. And he says, "Is an interesting phrase that kind of caught my attention. He says, to have the courage to say to somebody, I believe in you. I thought, that's an interesting thing. Why, would you ha- Why does that require courage to say that? Why does it require courage to be in somebody's corner? But you think about it, it co- requires tremendous courage to get behind somebody. And to support now in the in, in person of Jesus Christ, it was the courage of ultimately going to the cross. But for us, it's going to be the courage of actually getting into the, to the mess of people's lives and to be behind them, even when it's hard and it, and it hurts, and even when it seems like it's not going to end well. Um, that's the courage that's needed to be for others. And the only way that we can truly have that courage is when we lean deeply into the person of Jesus Christ and the resources that Jesus. Now, what does it look like to be for somebody else? To be for the person and the people that are around you. Now, there's infinite possibilities here. We think of the list from last week uh, of the ways in which Jesus came alongside people in the New Testament, and it's interesting that the extensive nature of that list. I read through it, and I don't, I I can't read through it all again today. But there are so many different ways in which Jesus came alongside people. All kinds of ways. And what that tells us is that the the possibilities are limitless in how we can come alongside others to be for them and to bring them towards the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, And and behind that, backing that up, are infinite resources. So infinite possibilities, and behind that, infinite resources of, of how we can, we can give and, and, and support and nurture and encourage. Because God says, Jesus sends us out and he says, what is this? I will be with you. So in this work that you do to be commissioned to go out and connect with others, Jesus says, I will be with you in that. And then that incredible verse that I read earlier, just ask and I'll give you whatever you need to be for the people that have been put in your care. Just ask, and he sends the Holy Spirit to help us. And so, what this should feel like to us, this call that God has placed on us, this should feel a little bit like Disneyland. Okay? And we don't look at it like that so much, but but it should feel a little bit like Disneyland because God's saying, look, go out there, and because I have loved you first, now you love others, and Let me just give you a blank check. You can do it in all kinds of creative ways. And you don't have to worry about outspending yourself because I've got your back. I've given you the resources. I've given you myself. My spirit is with you and in you for you to step out courageously and love the people around you to be for them in all manner of ways. Now, last week, I sort of gave a rant against acronyms. Um, Acronyms, you know, words that each letter of the word stands for something. Um, And I talked a little bit about why those are frustrating to me because it always seems like they're trying to put reality, fit it into a box that it never quite fits. And then I proceeded to give you an acronym last week. Um, and the acronym was this. It was P A B S T, and you can tell, you can tell by how terrible this acronym is, P A B S T, that I'm not trying to fit things in a box. Um, Pabst is the only word that I that I know of that's connected. Is that there's a there's a, there's a beer that that's not really a great one that goes along with that. Uh, and so, um, but I'm going with it. Um, even though, because at least you know I'm not trying to fit everything into a nice, neat box. Um, But when we talk about connecting, this this acronym is for how it is that we connect with the people around us. And it's really simple. It begins when we start to pray for them. It's preceded by asking God, would you work in so-and-so's life? And if you see fit, bring me into the mix as well. But it starts with prayer. And then we don't know what God is doing in somebody's life. We don't know how to connect with them and enter in until we ask questions. What are you doing for Christmas? What do you normally do? What is that? Oh, you're going to see family. What's your family like? Oh, where did you grow up? Who are you? We get into, we we don't know what's going on in a person and how God's moving in their life until we get in and ask questions. and so. We, we connect when we ask. And then once we ask and we start to see where the needs are in somebody's life, then we can answer the question of how am I going to be like Jesus and bless? Now, we can't offer ourselves a sacrificial atonement, but we can bless and we can, we can do things in people's lives that point to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so we ask the question, how do we, how do we bless And then, as the relationship develops, we can can then have opportunity to share what it is that God is doing in our lives and how uh, we see the power of the gospel at work in our lives. And it's very important in this that we sort of think in two ways. We talk about what Christ has done globally in our lives, the big atonement, but also what's He doing in our lives today? How am I walking with Jesus? and, And how does my relationship with Jesus affect the way I'm living today. Maybe it has to do with with Christ being for you in the midst of a challenge, and and you share that with the person that you're connecting with. I think a lot of times we want to connect with people, but we think that connecting with them means that we only hear about what they're struggling with, and we we hold back what we're struggling with, when in fact, one of the very best ways to connect with someone is to be honest about the difficult things in our lives. To lead, we be the first to share what's going on that's difficult. And then we let the person realize that we're normal and that we we experience the same things that they experience. And then as that relationship grows, then we get to this place of telling where uh, this is where some of us want to go there right away. We want to tell people the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, but, 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 But sometimes a relationship, a connection needs to be made before that can really be heard. And so the connection of prayer and of asking and trying to get to know and of blessing and of sharing who we are can, can precede the way in which we tell the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, after I shared this last week, there are a lot of funny follow-up conversations that came from it. Um, one person, since the, the beer is also called uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon, because I guess some, at some point way back in history, it won an award um, Back when they were just learning how to make beer, I think. Um, and the bar wasn't high. Um, so somebody said, well, this is Blue Ribbon Outreach, which is BRO. So I got all week long, I got these, I got these acronyms. It was like acronym week. Um, anyway, um, whether you hate that acronym or not, at least you're going to remember it, okay? Because it's, it's, it's easy. It's pray, ask, bless, share, and tell. And uh, it's funny this week how many people came up to me and talked about it and remembered it. And, and by the way, I thought last week, man, I'm going to feel like such a fool after sharing this acronym. And I did, but I don't care. Because if you remember it and, and, and apply it and, and walk with it, then that's the main thing. Now, in the realm of being for others, I think we're particularly in the, re- in the realm of praying and asking and blessing. Praying and asking and blessing—that's where people experience our being for them. And this is the fun and the creative part, right? It's getting—it's praying for people. And when you gather together in your home group, you're going to see—you're uh, going to be encouraged to, to think of particular people that you're praying about, uh, and and praying that you'll have opportunity to get to know and to to be a blessing in people's lives. Uh, this is the fun, creative part because you can ask those questions. Well. You can get to know them, which is fun, but you can also say, okay, given who this person is, what can I do to just bless this person? How can I bless the people around me? What can I do to, to encourage and strengthen them? That's, that's where the sky's the limit and the creative part, where the Holy Spirit leads us. And we know that people need this. They need somebody to be for them. They ultimately need Christ. They need to know that Christ is for them, but they don't get there oftentimes until they see that we are for them first, that somebody comes alongside and begins and initiates that process. I was reading about um, Whitney Houston's death. And uh, Kevin Costner, I guess he was speaking at her funeral or sometime around that. And he was telling the story of her uh, first time acting, and she was the most award-winning musician, female musician of all time and she was about ready to go to do this acting thing, and she's absolutely pre- petrified. This woman who's so successful, who would succeeded in so many ways, was absolutely petrified. And so they, they did her makeup, and they called her, and she asked for a little bit more time before she would go on, on to, to take the, shoot the first scenes. And um, she came out after about 20 minutes, and they shot the first scenes. And just within a, a few minutes of starting, um, her makeup was running all down her face and there were streaks and, and lines and so she rushed, rushed back and she's absolutely petrified of this and turns out what had happened is she didn't like she didn't like the makeup that they had put on her it wasn't thick enough so she'd taken it all off and put on her own makeup but under the lights and the heat it had all sort of melted away and so was leaving these these big streaks she had a mask that wasn't thick enough, and she wanted to put on on another one. And you know and I know that there are people all around us who in one way or another, and this is us too, but people all around us who in one way or another are putting on that mask because of the deep, deep insecurity that is resident in the core of their being. Deep and profound insecurity. And so all kinds of masks go up. And then the bright, hot lights of life come on, and the mask starts to melt away, right? Because the mask is never enough to fix what's deep inside, what's going on inside of us. And I just want to remind us this morning, it's it's wonderful and beautiful that we can get into people's lives, and we can be for them, and, and to begin to provide that support to to take care of that insecurity, to say, no, I'm for you, I know you're insecure, but I'm for you, I'm going to come alongside you and be a blessing for you, and that's wonderful and that's good, but all that can ever be is a pointer to the one who can ultimately eradicate all of our insecurities, and that's Jesus Christ. None of us could ever make somebody feel that they're worthy or valuable enough. But I'll tell you this, when the God of the universe steps into this world, takes on flesh, rubs shoulders with people, and then goes to the cross to die on the cross for us, and then to be raised again, he's basically saying, look, I'm for you, and you better understand, I made you, and it's enough. All your insecurities. This is enough. Because the God of the universe went to the cross for you. You can't be that to somebody. You can't fix the deepest insecurity inside of them. But you can point to the one who can. And when you pray, and when you lovingly get to know somebody and ask them questions and and figure out who they are, and when you step out in faith to bless them, even maybe blessing them in a way that you don't know if you can do, but you're going to trust God's got your back and you're going to step out and bless him? When you share your brokenness and your pain, and and then ultimately when you point them to the person of Jesus Christ and tell them the good news of the gospel, you are opening the door for their deepest healing to take place as they come to the person of Jesus Christ, the only one who could ever say, I'm for you, and it can be enough. You don't need anything else, ultimately. When Jesus says it, when He says it on the cross, when He says it in the words in Scripture, when He says it by taking on flesh as we celebrate at this time and, and, and becoming a baby in the manger. Are you kidding me? The God of the universe? Why? Because He's for us. God, we, we strain to get our minds around the marvel of who You are for us. We confess that we have failed to grasp the extent of your goodness to us. We continue to reach out and seek security and affirmation and importance and value and worth from objects and people that are not God, that are not you. But we're reminded here this morning that in the person of Jesus Christ, you furnished us with all that we need to rest assured and secure in who we are in light of you. Both as image bearers and as redeemed trophies of grace. Help us to rest more profoundly, more deeply, more securely in the salvation that you bring. And help us to to bounce out of that security into the world with a strength and a force and a willingness to be commissioned as men and women who bless and love and are there present for the people around us who are in desperate need. Some of those people are the ones who seem like they have it most together and yet they're the most insecure. They're the most difficult people sometimes to live with or get along with or work with. And you're calling us not to be intimidated by that, But to go boldly into those people's lives with the love of Jesus Christ because you have our back. And that's the great adventure of this walk with you. Imagine to be able to be a blessing to other people. Nothing is greater. Send us out from this place, Lord. We didn't gather just to huddle and be our own community isolated from the world, but to be strengthened and to be sent out into the world to be a blessing. So send us in the name and in the power of Jesus Christ. And it's His name we pray. Amen.